Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new guest hosts, Cheryl. Cheryl, how are you doing today? Thanks. How are you doing? Fantastic, as always. Uh, So she comes to us with a background in tech, and we thought we'd uh, get into her story. So uh, Cheryl, uh, what what are you up to these days? And then we'll kind of get into what we were like as a kid and the journey along the way. So what what keeps you busy these days? Yeah, sounds good. Um, So right now I'm doing my master's at the University of Waterloo. So um, I have a little over a semester left over um, before I graduate. So I'm trying to wrap up my thesis, um, doing a little bit of traveling. Uh, Yeah, it's keeping me busy. (laughs) That's awesome. So I'd love if we could go back in time and and just talk about the journey. So what was Cheryl like as a kid? Maybe early fond childhood memories? What was Cheryl like as a kid? (laughs) I mean, I guess... I feel like I was kind of bookish. I don't know. I feel like I spent a lot of time reading. I was definitely like one of those kids where like if your parents tell you to go outside, I would just like take a book outside. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like if I had to watch my sister, it would have to be like, oh, I'll just carry whatever I was doing outside. Um, yeah, I think in general, I liked arts and crafts books. I feel like that's still kind of true today. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned a sister. So is it older one that, that um, influenced you or, or younger or? Oh, no, she's younger. Um, so less of a career influence, I think. <laughs> All right. So so bookish, were there particular types of books? Was it like more fictional, more more nonfiction? Or what, what, what kind of did you gravitate to as, as you were a kid? Oh, I mean, I definitely had like an <laughs> aliens and sea monsters phase. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what, what you would count that as. Um, I feel like I read a lot of fiction. Um, and I don't know if you would count cryptozoology as nonfiction, <laughs> okay. but, uh, what, what is cryptozoology? Yeah, Sorry. What is cryptozoology? Oh, so it's basically like the study of, uh, like sea monsters, you know, like sort of Bigfoot aliens, like weird, okay. I don't know, urban myth kind of things. Okay. <laughs> and, kind of uh, random, but yeah. Obviously, you ended up in, in a career towards on the tech side, right? And I mean, maybe there's a correlation between aliens and sea monsters and that. But what were some of the, the influence along the way? Was there like uh, an older uh, cousin or someone or parents that, that kind of pushed you towards tech or uh, some uh, an inspiration from a book <laughs> that, that kind of moved you in that direction? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't really have anybody else who like was in tech that I could look up to when I was younger. Honestly, I feel like I didn't think I was going to go into a tech until like high school. Um, okay. So I guess the the overall way it went was like in grade two, I really liked Captain Underpants books. And my <laughs> teacher said that they were inappropriate for grade two students to be reading. <laughs> okay. And of course, I had to read them because they were inappropriate. Yeah. Um, and in those books, there were like these flipperamas. They were like mm-hmm. basically flip book pages. Um, so that's how I kind of got into like animation. Um, and then when I was in high school, I tried to do like an independent study project on 3d animation. Um, and that's when I realized that 3d animation tools were extremely difficult to use. Um, so I tried to learn how to use Maya by myself and it didn't go well at all. (laughs) So I thought, man, somebody needs to like go back and really improve these tools. So, um, I think that's how I kind of got into tech in general. 
Wow, seems like a, a pretty straight line there. Were, were there lots of other like competing priorities in terms of uh, you were also considering uh, a career in cryptozoology or, or this and that? Was it really like a career thing? I think that was like a very grade <laughs> three interest. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like right now, looking back on it, it feels like a straight line, but I feel like it definitely wasn't. Like I remember um, like recently I was cleaning out my room and I found some grade seven career aptitude test thing that they make you take. Um, and tech was definitely at the bottom because I think at that point I thought that tech was, you know, installing software on your computer. <laughs> um, yeah, I think twists and turns, I definitely considered other careers. Um, like I almost went to art because uh, I do like ceramics. It was something fun that I did in high school. Yeah. Okay. And could you walk us through maybe some of the other uh, decisions? So like you you did this uh, 3D animation project and you, you know that the tools need to get better. Was it an instant, okay, I'm going to find universities that are in tech and, and go uh, down that path? Or were there any kind of other uh, alternatives along the way that, that you were, were choosing from? Yeah, I definitely wasn't. Uh, you know, set on computer science, even as I was applying for universities, honestly, <laughs> I think I applied for digital media at York and at U of T Scarborough, um, which is much more like humanities based, art based. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely thought of tech as like a means to an end, like, you know, it enables you to be creative. I think that's how I thought about it. Um, so I think the element of creativity and more like artistic expression was probably more important to me than, you know, the actual theory behind computer science or, you know, how computers work. Yeah. And growing up, so you mentioned arts and crafts and, and things like that. Was there any sort of like affinity towards art or people recognize that, oh, you should be an artist, like artists, like competitions and stuff that you won? Uh, or is it really just a kind of a self-directed where art, hey, and it happens to be this tech part in the process and then you, you kind of stumbled into tech. So I'd love if you kind of walk through some of that journey if you're willing to. Yeah, um, so I feel like I'm actually not a very good artist in terms of drawing. And that was one of the reasons I pivoted into tech. Because <laughs> um, I guess in high school, I was looking at like what it would take to become an animator. And I feel like right. you need a very strong arts base. You need to be able to like draw figures very well. You need to be able to like, capture motion. Um, and honestly, I just could not do that. I was more into ceramics. It's very different. Um, so I think eventually I realized that I was more interested in like figuring out how to use tools anyway. Like I started learning Photoshop in like middle school. So mm -hmm. I think it was a natural push away from the arts <laughs> because of a lack of aptitude there. And then also I think, you know, interest in, uh, you know, actually improving tools. Okay. So you're, you're now have this interest in tech, you have this little bit of background in, in art, but not necessarily the uh, skill sets <laughs> to be able to be more on the, on the uh, drawing side of it. Um, and then you, you now have to pick like a, a, a school. So, so you ultimately did computer science, but you said it wasn't necessarily in your top, like what was that decision process like? So you had some digital media uh, side, were there other uh, computer science schools that, that, that you were thinking of or? What was that process like? Uh, so I guess I'm from Toronto and I think I want to stay in Toronto for undergrad anyway. Um, so yeah, it was basically a choice between like a few different schools for digital media slash, I think I might've applied to Ryerson for computer science, I don't really remember. Yeah. Um, and then U of T computer science. And I think 
what happened was I just went on all their websites. I looked at uh, like cool projects that people who went there had done. Like I looked at the computer graphics lab website at U of T and I thought, oh, cool. I want to mm-hmm. make a tool that can make something 3D. And I just picked it. Maybe I should have thought about it more. <laughs> it worked <laughs> out pretty well, but uh, yeah, that was basically how I picked it. And was it pretty much your pick? Were there like parental influences or any other folks that said, oh, you shouldn't go into that. You should go to, to this. Or, or is it pretty much uh, what you said was, was, was okay? I mean, I feel like I was pretty lucky. I don't think my parents ever pushed me towards any career in particular, honestly. Uh, I feel like a lot of the time people say, oh, like you have to be a doctor or an engineer, or, you know, those are the only choices or something like that. But honestly, I feel like my parents didn't really care at all. Like recently I watched everything everywhere all at once. And you know how there's like a lot of parental influence and, you know, it's a strong theme in that movie. I feel like it didn't hit me as hard as it did for other people. Because <laughs> honestly, I didn't really ever feel that like level of yeah. pressure from them. I think it was really like, do something decent, get a job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't watched it yet, so hopefully no spoiler alerts or anything. But uh, yeah, I, to- <laughs> I totally get what you're what you're saying. Because uh, there is a stereotypical Asian that kind of reference. Um, but it seems like that you you had the benefit of folks that were open minded and and kind of let you kind of choose your own path. Um, and and now that, that you kind of chosen a program and are in there, uh, how was the experience? Because obviously computer science, it's a little bit uh, male dominated, let's say. <laughs> uh, how was how was it in, in the program? And and um, I guess the the early years or late years. I don't know if you have any kind of uh, interesting experiences uh, during during the during the program. Yeah, I guess for undergrad, uh, like at U of T, I think. They probably changed the system a little bit now, but when I went into it, um, essentially, even if you applied for computer science, you got in under computer science, um, you haven't gotten into their like post, which is like their program of study. Um, so after first year, you basically need to meet some requirements to get into like the computer science post so that you can essentially do the, the degree. Um, so for me, I feel like first year was extremely stressful because of that, um, because essentially you can't continue your degree or the degree that you applied for if you don't get in, right? Um, And I think it's still a problem now in U of T computer science where it's extremely competitive even after you get in. Um, Mm. So I think the first little bit of undergrad was extremely stressful because of that. Um, Yeah, I think I made a lot of friends um, in first year that were going through the same thing um, and, you know, managed to stick together throughout the couple of years that we were there. Um, So I think as the courses got more specialized, like I could pick the courses that I thought were interesting. I feel like it got a lot better. That's great. And were there any kind of uh, trials or tribulations that, that are worth mentioning? Uh, kind of the stuff I wish on you earlier, maybe a preview of that uh, for, for a young Cheryl that might've been going or might be going through that process <laughs> right now uh, that, that you might want to uh, share with them? oh, maybe nobody actually really knows what they're doing. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like when I joined, there were some like older students that like seemed like they really knew what they were doing. Like they'd done a degree before or, you know, they just transferred for another university and I was there, you know, like 18 years old. I don't know what's going on. I just learned how to code like a year ago. <laughs> um, so I feel like definitely there was a lot of imposter syndrome. I feel like that's a buzzword get, that gets thrown around tech a lot. Um, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I think as I went through my degree, I realized a lot of people that you think have it all together are also struggling to figure out what they want to do. Um, and just seems like they, they're all put together because you check their LinkedIn and, you know, they've posted their highlights. Um, right. So really, we're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah, so being comfortable, uh, what is it, being comfortable being uncomfortable <laughs> is an important skill to, to, to have. Um, and so it seems like that you were able to build a good support structure around you where, where you had folks that kind of helped you through the process. I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about uh, your, your journey into the, your master's, because th did you always assume that you were going to go into uh, a master's degree uh, afterwards or, or kind of graduate school? Or were you thinking of the, the working world uh, during that process? Because I, th I think you did some, some internships in there as well, or? Yeah. Oh, I feel like the internship story is like, oh. That's like a long one, actually. Maybe I should give some context for that because I feel like the, the internships really like led me to my grad school decision. Um, okay. So yeah, I guess in after second year, I did my first internship at Nokia in Ottawa. Um, and it was like a, a fun experience, but I was doing mostly like testing. Um, and I think uh, it was my first experience with working in a big company. And I think it was good to have that experience to just know what it's like um, to do that. Um, and then the next summer I uh, started an internship at Intel, but that was actually like a year long internship. Um, hmm. So at U of T they have uh, like a professional experience year um, as opposed to co-op, which is a little bit more broken up. Um, right. And for that one, I was at Intel, uh, I was doing a lot of different things. I was doing some project management, um, some software engineering. Um, and I think during that time I realized that I didn't actually enjoy the work there as much as I thought I would. Um, like, I feel like I was working with cool people, like it, it was still a nice atmosphere overall, but, uh, I feel like I was really straying away from what I originally intended to do with my degree. Um, and I think at that point I started looking for internships that were a little bit closer to what I wanted to do. Um, and, uh, I ended up getting an internship at Autodesk, which was like my dream internship. Um, yeah. essentially what I did was I. Uh, I, I left that Intel internship a little bit earlier than I should have. Um, it was originally okay. supposed to be 16 months and I left after 12. Um, and I did my Autodesk internship instead. Uh, and I think that was really like a turning point because uh, that's where I got to know some of the people who were doing human computer interaction research like at Autodesk. Um, and I finally got to work on that tool that inspired me when I was in high school. Um, right. So I think it was really great. Like, I think it was very, uh, you know, like nice way to, to wrap up my undergrad, I think, because that was the last internship I did during undergrad. Sounds good. And if you can talk to us a little bit about that decision, because obviously you're supposed to be there for 16 months and you decide to do something different. <laughs> what, what was that process like? Because it must have required a little bit of planning because you must have been applying for the, the auto desk internship and then uh, to actually make the decision to say, OK, I got I got to cut it short. Uh, can you can you describe that process? Yeah, I mean, I really wasn't intending on leaving early. Um, I think I was kind of casually looking around because I figured, oh, I'm going to graduate in the next year. I should probably get used to like looking at job postings um, in general. Right. And then I saw this one job posting that was like a perfect fit for me, essentially, like it, all of the skills that were listed were ones that I had experience with, um, like everything matched. It was on Maya, which was like my dream team. <laughs> Uh, so I figured, why not apply? Like, 
even if I don't get it, it would still be uh, a good experience to figure out what the interview process is like for the next year when I'm graduated. Um, so I think it was a little bit unexpected when I got it. Um, it was very awkward because, uh, you know, like no manager wants to hear that their intern is leaving early, right? Um, but I think there was a little bit of leeway because I guess they usually uh, sign you on for 16 months knowing that you might leave a few months early for like vacation or if you just want a break. So I just okay. took that internship instead of a break. Um, but I'm very glad I did that. Sounds good. So that kind of met all your expectations. And then how did the did the master's come about? Like, was there a natural progression into that? Or because you're supposed to continue working, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, okay. So I guess at the internship, uh, I made friends with a lot of people who were um, at Autodesk Research. Um, so I kind of uh, had a better idea of what grad school looked like, because I feel like, oh, no, a master's, it's an extra two years after undergrad, you're like taking courses all the time, you're paying for it. Um, but actually, yeah, I found out that uh, if you're doing a research master's, most of the time they're paying you. <laughs> so it's actually not as big of a burden uh, as I thought it would be. Um, and I also haven't done as many courses as I thought I would do. Um, so I think the stuff that I was working on, like the team that I was working on, helped me kind of think about what I might want to research later on. And then meeting those people uh, at the office, um, I think helps me think more about what I might want to do in grad school, kind of helped me uh, get on the path of, you know, considering applying. And, and what was the, the application or the selection process like? Was there, was it just the one uh, grad program at, at Waterloo that you picked and, and that was uh, go big or go home type of thing? Or did you have a whole bunch of them and because uh, there was a whole bunch of different programs that you were interested in? What was that uh, process like for you? Yeah, so I think uh, I kind of decided to go to grad school a little bit later than the average grad school person, I think. Um, so I started uh, a fourth year um, research project, um, I guess, September. I talked with my advisor a little bit earlier than that. Um, but I really didn't decide to apply to grad school until I think October, which is very late <laughs> because grad school applications are usually due like early December. <laughs> Um, so for me, I uh, talked with a few different people. Um, I asked my undergrad supervisor if he knew anybody who uh, was doing research in something similar to me. Um, and he suggested my current advisor um, over here at Waterloo, who uh, does really cool like art slash computer science research. Um, so I applied for Waterloo. Um, I think I also applied for U of T. But to be honest, I didn't really want to stay at the same school for both. <laughs> Um, right. so yeah, it was really like you Waterloo, <laughs> maybe U of T. Um, so I think I really did put all my eggs in one basket. Um, like I reached out to my current advisor ahead of time. I like physically went to Waterloo to ask him questions and like, look at the lab before my application was even due, I think. Um, yeah, I was all in. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. And did it kind of happen? that easily or were, were there any uh, bumps along the road? Uh, well, I, I guess uh, for me, I think it was just a good fit in general after we uh, we talked, like when I talked with my advisor, um, it seemed like we had good matching interests in terms of research. Um, I was looking for a master's student uh, and I feel like surprisingly the grad school applications were not as stressful as I thought they would be. I think having my job applications at the same time was more stressful. 
um, because I wasn't too sure if I was going to get into that, that school, right? Um, so I was interviewing for full-time jobs at the same time as grad school applications and also like fourth year courses. <laughs> so it was a lot happening at the same time. That, that's awesome. So you ultimately get into the master's program and uh, did, did it meet the expectations where it was everything uh, exactly as you'd hoped to dream for um, based on kind of the prior planning? I feel like my uh, grad school experience has been super unexpected on a lot of levels, I think. Um, so obviously when I got in, I didn't think that COVID was going to be a thing. <laughs> so I really thought I was going to sure. be moving out to Waterloo in a couple months. Um, but also I think along the way, um, I've done three internships during my master's, which is something that I did not expect at all. Mm. Um, I was expecting to only do research and uh, you know just look for a job when I graduated. Um, so I think I got comfortable with not knowing what's going to happen during grad school. <laughs> and for those internships, are they built into your current intern? Uh, I mean, the current master's program, or was that something different that you did that most people don't don't do? Um, so yeah, I guess Waterloo is famous for its co-op program, but I was in a thesis-based master's. Um, so there's no co-op built into it at all. Um, the way that I got my first internship was actually because uh, one of my co-advisors, he knew somebody at Adobe who was hiring um, and he was saying that, uh, you know, maybe they would consider hiring a master's student for this project, um, even though like usually they would look for a PhD student. Um, so I applied, I got it and I did a, a virtual internship in 2021. Um, and then the other two, I think, really were <laughs> from me hopping on the bandwagon of people applying for things. Because I, it was, you know, internship season. I saw everybody else applying for something, and I thought, oh no, I'm so used to applying for things. Maybe I should do it just to, you know, get myself ready for the inevitable full-time job search. Um, so I ended up getting uh, an internship at Roblox uh, and an internship at Meta. But uh, Meta asked me if I could move it to the fall instead, so it worked out. I didn't have to pick between the two of them. Um, so yeah, that's how I ended up doing eight months of internships last year. That's awesome. And then it was a discussion with the folks running the master's program to say, hey, is this okay? Because uh, if it's not expected, uh, I guess they have to do a bunch of stuff in order to make sure that it's, it's good with the program. Yeah, so I guess uh, I'm lucky because I'm a domestic student. I think for international students, you run into issues with, uh, I guess, your visa running out or you know, timing issues. Um, sure. But for me, I just went inactive for my degree. Um, and thankfully they were all research-based internships. So like with my Adobe internship, um, I ended up continuing that research collaboration. So um, we, our paper actually recently uh, got accepted to a conference and then same with Roblox. I recently just got back from a trip where we were presenting a poster from that. Um, and then Meta was like research engineering. It was all quite related. Sounds good. And can you talk to us a little bit about the, the, the travel that you were able to do? Because uh, that's one of those things where, well, before we, we started recording, uh, we had a discussion. It's like, oh, yeah, like folks don't realize that th these are some of the perks <laughs> that, that come with, with uh, doing a master's. Yeah, yeah. Perks of doing a master's or I guess research in general. Uh, <laughs> if your paper gets sure. accepted, then usually like the school or, you know, the company will pay for you to physically go to that conference and present your work. Um, so I just got back from a trip to uh, Hamburg and where we were presenting uh, basically my internship work from Roblox as a poster. So um, 
it was kind of like a short paper and then I could put up a poster at the actual conference and talk with people about it. Um, so I think it was a great experience. Uh, honestly, it's something that you don't think about when you're first applying for grad school, right? You don't expect to be able to travel <laughs> and like do random free trips, right? Yeah. And then obviously that kind of brings us closer to, to present day. So um, you, you have more research to kind of finish off and then obviously, um, well, maybe a job or maybe a PhD or whatever the next <laughs> phase, there's a whole bunch of things to consider. Um, but before we go there, I'd love if you kind of uh, go back and, and share some of your swike, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. I know you, you mentioned a few uh, previously, but if, if there's kind of uh, two or three that you want to summarize for, for the, the young Cheryl's uh, that might be kind of uh, validating their own prospects, like what is some advice that you'd have for your younger self? Um, I guess maybe people are nicer than you think. <laughs> Uh, I think okay. uh, when I was younger, I feel like I was always very worried to talk to important people. You know, if I were at mm. some event or even talking with a professor, I'd be so nervous because I'd think, oh, no, they're they're judging me. I don't have any publications. I don't know what's going on. Um, I feel like most of the people that I've talked to, even if they're, you know, pioneers of whatever technique or some legend in the field, they're actually very nice and very willing to talk with students who are just starting out um, because really they they can empathize with you, right? Like they remember what it was like to be kind of confused and in undergrad. Um, and they're really happy to chat. Um, and there's really no need to be that nervous when you're chatting with them. <laughs> and I feel like that would really, I think if I had known that it would have helped me talk with people more um, and be more open with, uh, you know, like just getting to know people in jobs that I wanted to do. So I'm taking from that one, it's a, a, a call to action for folks is to, to reach out to that person that you think is too important, too, too legendary or too whatever, because uh, uh, chances are that they might actually respond. Uh, they might not, but but uh, th there might be a good chance that they're actually nicer than, than you think. Yeah, really. Is there, uh, is, there, is there any other swipe? Oh, no. Oh. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, is there any, what other uh, advice would you have for your, your younger self? Oh, I feel like I already... Uh, talked about my other point a little bit about, you know, don't compare other people's highlights to your everyday life. Um, yeah, I guess maybe just don't underestimate yourself. <laughs> I feel like, um, especially in grad school, it's really hard not to compare yourself to other people who have been at this for much longer than you, who have, like, you know, 10 more publications than you, who have like this amazing research project. Um, I feel like it really is something that you have to do at your own pace. Um, and, you know, don't count yourself out because you think that you wouldn't be able to do it. I feel like, you know, you really need to just try. Worst case, you don't make it. You don't do whatever you set out to do. That's better than not trying at all. <laughs> yeah. I guess that reminds me of the, the Wayne Gretzky quote, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't yeah. take. Uh, so, so obviously, you need to get yourself uh, out there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this is a very interesting time where... There are so many curated highlights from folks on social media and things like that, that, that there's this kind of false self that we're all comparing ourselves to because chances are that other person still has challenges and problems, um, but you're not comparing yourself to your challenges, your problems with their challenges and problems, uh, right? So that is a, a difficult thing to, to kind of grasp. Um, 
yeah, I'd love if you shared a little bit more about kind of future aspirations, because you have a little bit more to go in terms of your research. Uh, and, and what can folks look forward to hearing from you uh, in the future? And if folks are willing and, and interested in reaching out, uh, where could they find you? Yeah, um, just in terms of future plans, uh, I'm traveling again at the end of the month, I'm going to Victoria for a different conference, um, because that Adobe paper got into a conference. Um, so I'm super excited for that, because it's going to be my first in person full paper talk. Um, so I think it's going to be really great. Uh, and then when I come back, I really need to grind and actually finish my thesis project that has been going on for, for a long time now because I keep on taking breaks. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it though, because, uh, you know, I can go back into the lab now. Um, there aren't as many restrictions as before. I think at the beginning of my degree, it was just sitting at home by myself doing my work. Um, I think now it's really nice. We have a good lab culture. We're meeting up with other people. Um, and also I'm job searching. So <laughs> I guess th those are my main things for this summer. Really try to find a job, try to figure out what's going on. Um, I think a PhD is probably something to consider for later because the applications are all passed. Um, yeah, I think those are the main things for this summer. And you also were asking about uh, how to contact or other future things. If folks can reach out yeah yeah um so i guess you can reach out to me by email uh, or you can take a look at my personal site um so my personal website's cherylloud.me like c-h-e-r-y-l-l-a-o.me um and yeah you can shoot me an email uh find me on linkedin um i feel like i should be findable on linkedin um so yeah i'm happy to answer any questions you guys might have Sounds good. And we'll be sure to link all of that, all of that information into the short show notes. And um, if folks want to uh, go down that master's route, seems like one of the, the key things I I took from this is like, oh, it's actually not as involved in terms of monetarily and resources. Obviously, it takes time <laughs> to do it, uh, but but there should be different considerations in the process. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and lots of great feedback in terms of people are nicer than you think and make sure not to compare your uh, yourself to other people's highlights. So I think that's uh, really amazing. And uh, thanks, Cheryl, so much for sharing your uh, your swike and, and your journey. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future yeah, episode. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on here. <laughs> it was a lot of fun chatting. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.